show bringing you political commentary on entertainment media from the perpetual Sunday of Suburban Ennui. I'm Livy. And I'm Ruben. And today we are talking about two films, one from 1978, I'm actually not sure, Ms. 45, which is an Abel Ferrara film. Or 79? 79, yeah, we actually probably should have looked it up, but never mind. And one for And L, which is a Paul Verhoeven film from 2016. They are linked in that they have sort of similar plots, in that they're both about women taking revenge on their sexual assaulters. But... 1981, um, Oh, well, we were both wrong. It's a genre of film that was popular in the 70s, though. The sort of rape and revenge film, as they're called. They, yeah, a, a sort unfortunately. Of, yeah, too, but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, a sort of, I think, a series of exploitation films, most notably... I Spit on Your Grave, which I've never seen. Oh, it's a very okay. famous, a very famous, um, yeah, film about with 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 that plot. Uh, typically horror films, although I think you can probably class L as a sort of dark comedy. Yeah, L is really weird and surprising in tone. I was not at all prepared for what L quickly became. Mm, uh, yeah. yeah, L is a kind of weird sort of dramedy film it's not uh yeah. it's 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 kind of realist in genre as well which is very in contrast to Ms. 45 so miss 40 miss 45 is like this really stylized kind of um twist on the exploitation film as in yeah. it feels like it's going to be this quite gratuitous film about a woman who dresses up as a sexy nun to take revenge on uh, to take revenge after her sexual assault and it feels like it's going to be quite gratuitous but actually it's kind of very clever and interesting for a number of reasons and subversive uh, but is very much a genre piece which is actually in stark contrast to Elle surprisingly given the director. Yeah, so Abel Ferrara who directed Ms. 45 is someone known for his sort of genre films I guess. His most famous films are, well, this one and Bad Lieutenant which stars Harvey Keitel as a cop, and it's a sort of it's it's a, it's actually a very that's the only other film of his that I've seen, and it's very good. It's very sort of sleazy New York underground sort of mafia-ish film. And his other most famous film, King of New York, is definitely a mafia film. He now makes films in Europe. His most recent film, I think, was like a bi- biopic about Pasolini, the director. Uh, yeah, he now now makes films in Europe after not being able to find his films in America, and his films are very strange, so it makes sense. Although this is very much something that you can call a genre film, I think. Paul Verhoeven, who made Air, similarly now makes films in Europe, and this is one of those European films that he now makes compared to his very famous 80s, 90s films, Basic Instinct, Robocop, Starship Troopers. Uh, Total Recall, all of which I love and are brilliant. Uh, I haven't seen any of his newer films. He takes quite a long time to release films nowadays, I think. I think he has something coming out soonish. He is another exiled director, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, exiled monetarily, I think. I think can't finance his films in Hollywood uh, anymore. Yeah. But I think, may I didn't, yeah, but I would say probably more Not famous fans. than Ferrara. Mm for his particularly famous Hollywood films. Yeah, I think his I think his 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 particularly famous films are sort of household ways names in a way yeah, that exactly. maybe some of Ferrara's most of Ferrara's films are. Yeah, RoboCop and Total Re- RoboCop and Total Recall were both remade into not very good 2015-ish um science fiction films by the big studios, which I guess means demonstrates that they are very big names in yeah. some way. Yeah. Both of those films were very bad though. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's the background. That's um, everything you need to know about these two directors. But to kind of get into the nitty gritty of these films and why we've decided to pair them together and talk about them um, in a similar context, I think first of all, we should get over the first hurdle of these are both films about rape, sort of feminist or feminist adjacent films about rape, about women, about the rape of women by men like so this is this is going to be a kind of an interesting problem that the films are going to have to navigate in in some or other way yeah um uh so and and i think what what we feel about about both these films is they have mixed success in in uh sort of in this regard now you might think why have you chosen two films by men about women's (laughs) rape uh, I, I think so. This is basically the problem of Hollywood films in general. These are not both Hollywood films. However, uh, obviously, um, Hollywood and even non-Hollywood films have a massive, massive, massive problem um, with gender in terms of the high up roles, um, director, author, all of that kind of thing. As yeah. Ruben said earlier, probably this the is low down roles as well. Probably yeah. the low down roles as well, particularly the high up roles. Uh, and as Ruben said earlier, I mean, much more so than say. Uh, the publishing industry has, for example, you know, and it's not to say that you know you 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 don't still have massive problems with with gender in terms of um, uh, publishing and writing books, but uh, the, the, but the basic thing about films is that they're about amassing a, a, a vast amount of capital before you can get to making them, um, in in most cases, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and therefore the film industry is still very very gendered in the same way that uh, the distribution of capital across the whole world is very, very, very gendered. Um, and also I think there's something about men and power in these kind of leading auteur-like roles um, that people think is somehow acceptable and that women are kind of slightly gate-kept from these roles. That doesn't mean, obviously, that there aren't an amazing number of really fantastic female directors working today but i think we're just going to have to say sort of straightforwardly that we're not on this um podcast going to pick things sort of gratuitously or in a box picking way we're going to do the films that we kind of want to do and we're going to take who's made them um as part of the package in terms of analyzing them rather than um saying ah so we have to have um this particular person uh, on for this particular reason, you know, I think it's I think it's better to take films sort of as they are, including in all of their sort of problematic elements, and to discuss and unpack those elements. Definitely, yeah. So that so that's a really essential thing to both these films that they that they deal with the problem of men ventriloquizing women, uh, and and that and and that's a kind of a, a, a central theme even of both of them. Um, and it's kind of bubbling under the surface. One really clear way that this is bubbling under the surface in Ms. Forty Five is an interesting almost refusal to ventriloquize that you get through the central character being mute. So the the rape victim and later Revenger, the Ms. 45 character, um, is mute. She doesn't speak all throughout the whole film except um, a final last word um, in, in, in the last scene of the film. Um, uh, and so that, 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 that kind of reads very interestingly because it feels like we're playing here with... The objectification of women, how how women are rendered not as agents in um in lots of sort of mainstream Hollywood films, not not rendered as agents, but as objects of a gaze. But rather than having that here, we have a woman who who we can only see, we can't hear her voice. We're not granted access to her in her interior in that respect, and yet 
whose gaze we absolutely follow and absolutely empathise with and who who kind of becomes our complete um, sort of leading light throughout the film. Definitely, yeah. Thana. Thana, is she called in the film? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah played by Zoe Tamerles, who went on to also be in Bad Lieutenant and write Bad Lieutenant, in fact. Very interesting. Um, yeah, so yeah, they're both very interesting films for that for that reason, really. They're both, I think... Would you say good films? <laughs> Would I say good films? Um, yes. Yeah, so I really, really particularly enjoyed Ms. 45, surprisingly, actually. I say surprisingly because I think L L uh kind of cast itself as a sort of subtle intelligent film. Yeah. And I did think that there was a lot to be gained from it, but I actually particularly liked the kind of the fraught politics of Miss 45 and I particularly liked its kind of stark stylized style kind of in respect in respect to that style what I was what I was kind of getting at about um the muteness of, of the central character is that we have these kind of um really flashing stylized shots kind of close-ups of her face all the time the central character so we're getting this kind of male yeah, gazey she's got a very thing expressive face, she's got a, she? a beautifully expressive face and we have this kind of almost male gazey thing going on we're kind of constantly on her her face her body all of these elements and yet the camera also absolutely takes us inside her consciousness and helps us experience and process her assault kind of as it happens and in the aftermath um you know so we have we have the we have the camera dipping and shaking about um echoing her eye movements and you kind of get this sort of intuitive grasp um from the way the film is made of this character's dis- perspective yeah. whilst she never speaks but i think having her not speak feels to me like a very deliberate decision it doesn't feel like a, re- a, a, a decision to render her mute and therefore powerless yeah, it feels like it's a decision sort of the opposite isn't yeah it? It, it show it's showing that she's thought of as powerless in the world and that the director perhaps isn't the director and writers aren't perhaps going to presume to ventriloquize her they're just going to show her experience and show her uh taking control of her experience definitely yeah and so it leads to quite a I want to say almost general feeling film where the film is very broad strokes with what it says about the relationship between men and women in, in this time and all the men in the film are horrible and for good reason. She gets raped not once but twice at the start of the film. Yeah. In like, you know, this horrible and what can be seen and is gratuitous in its sort of portrayal of violence in this, in its sort of factual like in it in it, in an actual state, but the way it's yeah, shot, yeah, you think, is oh my god, of... why has she got to be raped another time? Exactly, she, yeah. yeah, yeah, and the, the sec- yeah, and it and it's and it's sort of even harder to watch the second time for that reason. But then when she murders the the bit the perpetrator in that moment, it's sort of this sudden turnaround, and the rest of the film is just watching her murder lots of different men throughout new york lots of different men who we see as predators and are preying on women and every man in this film is a predator or preying on women in some ways and so yeah we really get this sense of a this from the sleazy um manipulative boss who's kind of abusing his power relationship to the literal robber and rapist to kind of the average uh, man that you see uh, about you know in the film uh, trying to sexually prey on the protagonist or yeah. trying to or, 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 for, or in one memorable scene a woman saying well I thought you said you'd had a vasectomy oh. uh, and, him, <laughs> and the man saying I don't want to talk about it now and, and all of this sort of thing no yeah. this is almost unremitt- unremittingly negative in a way about men in this film uh, but I think it, it's kind of of necessity to show the um, sort of by by contrast in a very stark, stylized way. Yeah, and so what's interesting about it is that we have this mute protagonist, and then we have 
a camera which is constantly almost searching for men in the shot and then mm. pointing them out and making us feel worried about worried about them and so it adopts this almost kind of what you can call a female gaze i guess of yeah wor- you know worrying about all the men in in in, in this shot and vi- violence that could that could happen but it's turned around because we're actually thinking that's the next person she's gonna shoot. going to shoot yeah uh, and it's a sort of that kind of thing of roving coming back to guns you know it's a, it's a little bit like that perspective um that we get from a kind of a sniper almost isn't yeah, it you exactly, know so yeah. th- this is this is thana's sort of female gaze which is an inversion of the predatory gaze um that sort of ensnared her it's something also again this is not this is going to be uh not a spoiler free podcast yeah, unfortunately so we, we, we always yeah yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to refer quickly to the end of l uh, this thing of the the sort of the inverted predator thing is also something that we see in L, where um, the protagonist sets a trap for her rapist at the end of the film, and yeah. that's the kind of rape revenge element of the film. Um, yeah, so there's so so there's that kind of there's that potential for um, a reinscribed uh, yeah. gaze where you think you know what's happening, and then it's subverted in, in both. Definitely, films. yeah. L, we are because the perpetrator of the sexual assault is masked in the start of the film and through the sort of traumatic repetitions we get of the sexual assault through the through the start of the film uh we don't know the identity of of the man yeah should we go through a quick quick rundown of Elle's plot it's a little bit more complicated than um miss 45 where uh, as we've kind of alluded to uh the protagonist is in miss 45 the protagonist is raped twice at the beginning of the film she is mute she works for a um fashion company sewing clothes um, and she takes her revenge in a number of ways um, by uh, shooting and murdering all these different men after she um, uh, murders through in necessity her second rapist in her apartment her, um, who, yeah. uh, who assailed her. Um, she then she then takes matters into her own hands and, and goes around shooting men. Uh, and this all culminates in a big uh, shoot 'em up at the end of the film um, in a big in a big Halloween party with everybody in yeah. costume and with the protagonist in um, dressed as a nun, dressed as a nun, dressed as a sort of sexy nun. Um, that, by the way, is not a misogynistic comment. It is just an accurate <laughs> description of what the costume is trying to be. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so. Um, uh, L interestingly bubbly. also ends in a big party um uh, and this kind of big moment of mm, sort of yeah. bubbling bubbling tension under under the surface uh and L is a story that takes over several months um and it has there's several different quite complicated plot elements actually but basically the the kind of the the main thing is our protagonist um when she was a child her father when she was 10 when she was a child her father um was um uh, uh, did a mass murder basically in which he he yeah. involved her as a child he killed lots of children he, 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 he was a catholic priest and yes and, and and no i think everybody on this i think everyone on the street i oh, think yeah including i think yeah. so he was yeah it, it was some kind of weird vengeance thing in itself um but anyway uh and so she's living with the consequences of this kind of horrendous act of her father's all these years later and having been persecuted lots however is a kind of a very um self-assured and powerful woman uh she's the head of her own games company i use powerful woman not in the kind of the trite sense but in the kind of very literal sense and, and by no means a kind of unambiguously positive sense she's quite a um cold-heartedly ruthless capitalist really is what exactly, she is yeah. isn't she and that's and um, that's how she portrayed and not an not a completely 
No, and by no Same. means completely unsympathetic, yeah. but by no means sympath- completely sympathetic either. Exactly, I, yeah. We get the sense in in Ms. Forty Five, we we're not dealing necessarily Ms. Forty Five because it's so stark, feels very allegorical um, throughout lots of it. Um, it. It's it's a film that's painted in kind of big bold colours, and we're yeah. we're kind of seeing an allegory about the treatment of women women in society. Yeah, Elle is not that film. Ella is taking a very particularised experience, and in a way, an experience that might be uh, in, in places more powerful because it's particularised. Yeah, um, but. Um, uh, but 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 not a kind of the the name of the film I think is m- misleading. L obviously just meaning she in French. We think we're going to get this kind of um, story, sort of written large letters on the walls involving a female archetype and her treatment at the hands of men. That's not what we get at all. We get something that's much more sort of subtle and perhaps sophisticated than that. But in a way, perhaps loses some of its punch as compared to Miss Forty Five um, because of its because of its lack of kind of stark yeah. gender dynamics. I think so. However, um, an important thing not to lose, lose sight of is that um, the protagonist in Elle is very much the victim of her of her circumstance. She's raped in the first scene of the film, a very shocking scene where the, the, the opening of the film, you just hear the sounds of an assault, what you presume to be an assault quite quickly, but you can't quite place. Uh, and then you see a visual, you're later shown in flashbacks exactly what's happened, but then you see a visual of um, a, a, a masked man dressed head to toe in black, finishing raping our protagonist and leaving through the leaving through the kitchen yeah. door uh it's very shocking cold open um but yeah so l l tells the story of a business owner um uh our protagonist uh who was roped in this way at the beginning of the film who has this kind of interesting shady past of her own involving her father uh and it shows how she navigates her rape throughout the film eventually learning that her rapist is the next door neighbor who she'd been flirting with uh, and inve- eventually embroiling him in a trap on their way back from a party in which she tells him she's going to call the police. Um, she waits for him to come and assail her in the house, dressed all in black and in his mask again. Um, and then she knows, I think, we think, she knows that her son will have followed her back from the party and that her son will, while he is, while the man is raping her, will hit the man over the head and yeah. kill him. Um, because she's throughout the film professed her suspicion um, with the police given the incident in her childhood um, involving her father. So she doesn't, although she knows the police are going to be called to the scene, we kind of know she doesn't really think that the police are going to fix anything. She wants to, uh, she wants to murder the man. Actually reminded me a little bit of, um, and I think this is another, another one that's interesting, relevant, a kind of a modern film, not necessarily a massively subtle film, but um, Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss. Oh yeah, of course. Which me and Ruben actually saw just before, before the pandemic, uh, the last thing we were in the cinema, time we were in the cinema, um, and that's uh, that's a film about um, a predatory, um, abusive relationship, basically where, um, uh, but which ends. Um, I, I was just going to say similarly in um, uh, murder of the abuser, yeah, uh, by the Elizabeth Moss yeah. character. That by, film by almost turns into an action film, I'd say, right? At it, the end, it, it yeah. does. Well, it's, it's been quite actiony throughout, kind of action horror, hasn't action it? Horror, yeah. yeah, I guess you could. But, um, but, but what I'm saying is, it, it's similar in that the uh, the the, the, the so called victim, well, the victim of becomes the complete victim of assault, but the um, uh, becomes um, uh, you know, assertive and wants to see. Yeah, the uh, revelation is that the agency is then put with the woman rather than the man. At the end of yes, films, but yeah, also yeah. specifically doesn't want to see their rapist like quote unquote brought to justice or or their assaulter yeah. rather brought to justice. 
um uh but 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 wants to but wants to kill them you know wants yeah. to eradicate them and um that kind of sort of vigilante like vigilante aspects in all these films is kind of interesting i think there's not a um a sense that kind of recourse to the law is an option um no there's something much more kind of direct going on much more um yeah, yeah, in fact, there's urgent. very little police presence in both these films. In, our, in both these films. She explicitly says that she doesn't trust and doesn't like the police for lots of reasons. Yeah. In The Invisible Man, it's the husband that's the CEO of a big tech company, whereas in Elle, it's her. Yeah, in Invisible Man, all the power lies with the kind of abusive partner. Yeah, and who... that his invisibility is, in fact, a sort of... Metaphor, metaphor for, for that, yeah. Uh, for the, the the invisible mechanisms of power yeah. and control, yeah, absolutely. Uh, whereas L, as we say, is maybe a little bit more, a little bit more nuanced, but might leave some of its impact for 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 that reason. Yeah. In that, it, yeah. But I think, but I think it de- it deals with a particular context very well, and it and it it takes us beyond the kind of the archetypal she of the title, as I've said, which yeah. I think is, is I think an that important probably, Yeah, that's probably why he named, named, named the film this way, I, I would expect. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I think, I think so. I, I think, so uh, another thing that we maybe wanted to touch on briefly was the kind of um, the imprint of other stories um, about female revenge written by men, basically. Women's mm-hmm. revenge written by men. Um, that are kind of left their imprint on these films in really interesting ways. Um, so uh, uh, if we're thinking about um, Ms. 45's influences really briefly, um, we'd say horror and so on. Um, the, the soundtrack is is really this kind of interesting, spiky little soundtrack that Ms. Mm, 45, yeah. um, which we both kind of remarked was very, very like The Exorcist when we were listening yeah, to it. Yeah. It's, it's also... Organy, um, quite reminiscent of um, like the Italian giallo genre, um, films like Suspiria, the 1970s yeah. film Suspiria. It's bright colours. It's bright colours, it's, it's soundtrack. Explicitly uh, sort of genre horror filmmaking, sort of not, try, not, not, not trying to be anything else but that, I guess. I think also the kind of the wide-eyed, the, the wide-eyed woman in close-up kind of yeah. constantly, we, we get a lot of that and um, very, with these kind of neon colours. What you cool over the top Top, but actually just very expressive sort of facial facial features and things yeah so that's the kind of history of violence against women that's the yeah. kind of the, the, the genre that um, Miss 45 is dealing with yeah. um, L has another Italian. story buried in it um, which is alluded to um, explicitly at one point which is the Greek tragedy Medea um, mm-hmm. Medea um, so we had to had to do a, a paper on tragedy at university this yeah, year. So, so we <laughs> yeah we 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 know all about this unfortunately. <laughs> um, uh, so Medea is a story uh, in which uh, the sorceress Medea murders her children uh, in revenge on her uh, previous husband yeah. um, who has cruelly abandoned her for a younger woman. She also murders the younger woman. Yeah. She she goes on a complete spree, to be fair, in, in Medea. Um, and Medea is one of those things which is a kind of, you know, it's it's by Euripides. It's a, some would say, and it definitely has elements of this kind of deeply misogynistic play, um, ancient Greece, uh, you know, well, ancient Athens was a deeply misogynistic society. Obviously. But it's also a society, it's also a, a play that's been kind of, completely reappropriated and appropriated for an almost feminist cause this kind of story of um feminine agency and ruthlessness Um, yeah definitely yeah and and i think that part of that reappropriation is probably seen in this film in in l so um where she's sort of cast as a re 
retooled Medea in some ways. Yeah, so she says at one stage of her ex-husband's new partner, oh, she thinks I'm, you know, she's cast me as Medea or something like that. She yeah. thinks I'm wickedly jealous and all this kind of thing. Um, and she... But the, but the culmination of the film in which she gets her son to do the killing and in which she kind of seems to plan her, for her son to burst in on her in this rape yeah. scene. I would say it's unclear how far it's planned, but it does seem very planned, it really. It seems her and with cool, those her cool it does and seem, composure, yeah. I think, suggests... Because at an earlier point in the film, when she goes downstairs and she knows she's with her rapist but she has this completely weird, ambiguous relationship with him where she's kind of, there's a kind of sexual charge between them uh, even when she knows she's a rapist, which is why I think it is a problematic film and a weird film. Um, uh, she goes down to the basement with him in his house while her son is asleep upstairs, her adult son, I should, I should clarify, um, and he rapes her again, again, you know, so it is against her wishes then in that context yeah. as well. Um, uh, but so... Um, at that point when we were watching it um, I said oh you know don't you think it might be be like a Medea story where she's about to somehow sacrifice her son like her son will get killed or something and she'll or she'll blame she'll kill the rapist and she'll blame it on her son or something like that and that kind of is what happens at the end of the film Um, so I think I think that is in a different context I think that is um, that there is an imprint of uh, of Medea um, which is really interesting because it's to me um, it suggests that the film is kind of acknowledging its place in a history of films about women taking revenge, not by women. Uh, yeah, which kind I think of, it, yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I, I think I think I think it's true. But it, I mean, it could also just be that it's kind of taking this archetypal story of of women's revenge and sort of appropriating well, it, it and, that, and yeah, claiming well. that that you know that it has just as much a right to yeah. this material as Medea in did the in a rather uncritical way. The Hovens. Verhoeven or Verhoeven, I actually don't know, his oeuvre, which is, he is known for, I'd say, graphic violence and depictions of sex, like sort of graphic depictions of sex, and as well as sort of um, slightly campy criticisms of modern American society, satires, I guess you'd say. Um, In the context of that, I guess it could be seen as him trying to, yeah, take take some sort of uh i'm not sure how to put this i guess like self-critique in some ways on his own sort him being known as someone very known for very graphic depictions of sex and violence quite often intermingled and so yeah no so i guess well, you yeah. get that a little bit through the video game presence yeah, throughout so, the film don't you so she the, the company that the um the company that she runs is making sort of caricaturishly violent and over-sexual video games. Based misogynistic, misogynistic video games. Yeah. Well, which she totally buys into the misogyny of, you know, she says casually. And again, we shouldn't forget that this is a weirdly funny film. You know, it's it's sprinkled throughout with jokes. I would say we actually laughed a lot in this film. Yeah, which is, well, was really unexpected. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, so she'll, she'll, she'll lean over a male employee's uh, desk and say, and, and look at his screen and say, oh, no, 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 you've got it all wrong. You have to see her as the kind of, as the nice, sweet girl first before you get her in the sexy, um, you know, before you get her in the sexy outfit because otherwise there'll be no boner moment. And yeah. like, she's kind of, she's she's completely thinking about, not uncritically necessarily, maybe more like cynically, completely cynically thinking about marketing this game to a very kind of misogynistic male market. Yeah. You know, she's she's not, so she is... And there's a, as, there's a... um. 
she admits and the film therefore admits that sex sells I guess guess. and so it is self-critiquing in that way it doesn't therefore maybe it doesn't quite hold up to scrutiny and why Verhoeven does therefore choose to show so much of the sex I think yeah well I think also choose to show so much of the sexual assault I mean in particular the sexual assault um and and also to kind of to show the the woman character as the, the woman protagonist as not um uh, uh thinking oh my what i think would be the natural reaction of most people on discovering their rapist she kind of goes on having this weird sexual relationship with all and all this kind of thing i think i'm making it sound worse than it is it's very yeah. very tense and completely fraught with tension and like you know and i guess what and we do it's trying to show you something nuanced yeah. but also i'm not sure quite and I guess what it is, we do start to realise her agency, her gaining agency over him in some ways. And I guess that's what it was sort of what it's going yeah, for. Yeah, but I felt way, that I the guess. scales was slightly balanced in the end too much in his and the other men's in the film's favour. Ms. 45 is great because you have to see this horrible, horrible, uh, seemingly completely gratuitous, vile uh, rape double rape at the beginning of the film and then you get to watch the next hour um the woman just killing loads of men yeah. and you're like oh great right and on, i would say sister. the way even but ferrara films those scenes of sexual assault is with a very sort of they're completely disgusting they're yeah, abhorrent they're so they're so abhorrent and it's very much and focused on, on the grotesqueness sensual. of the yeah not all sexually exactly it's very much focused on the grotesqueness of the male actions yeah yeah totally great and, and, and the assailants wear like um horrible kind of twisted uh, like wax-like masks almost that look yeah. really good. And anyway. I'd say, to be fair to Verhoeven, I think he's going for something similar, but it doesn't quite work quite as well. he's going for something similar, but I think that you get so much uh, of the kind of the woman being punished by this misogynistic climate and by literal, you know, yeah. literal sexual assault. Um, you get so much of that that... Uh, uh, that I th- that I think it kind of tips the scales. You get this kind of little bit of revenge she gets at the end, but it's just like you know, yeah. just a bit of revenge as, as a treat. That is the vibe. <laughs> it's not a <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think I think I think it's a matter of extent, and I think I could have done with a little bit more of revenge, a little bit more revenge from Elle. Um, yeah. Nonetheless, I think I think that they form an interesting contrast. Yeah, and they're both films, I think yeah good interesting films and worth worth, worth watching definitely. Absolutely, I think. One, yeah, one just thing that I'd like to just touch on briefly before we before we finish is this kind of question that we're left with at the end of both of the films because both of these films, after these kind of narratives of, uh, it, well, um, uh, sexual exploitation at the hands of men, we leave we end on this kind of weird sisterhood note in both the films, and like sisterhood, as we all know, is this kind of fraught maybe overly stereotyped concept when thinking about traditional feminism and the waves of feminism uh thinking about kind of female collectivity like sisterhood is almost a kind of jokey buzzword um a film uh me and Ruben watched relatively recently um is a film called a British film called The Party uh and there's a line in which one of uh the, the characters uh says oh well yeah you've slept with my husband that's not very sisterhood of you uh and uh her American friend uh that well her american friend says um oh my god you know you, you can't use the word sisterhood that dates you so much and, and um <laughs> yeah. so i think i think this kind of idea of sisterhood is and kind I guess of american popular films the sort of idea of all female remakes of american films we recently watched the new oceans 8 which is a sort of remake or a sort of sickening tokenistic version of what sisterhood uh, yeah, exactly. quote unquote might mean the sort of um, all female remakes of 
films with male in, men in sort of thinking it's feminist just to put women together, I guess. Yeah, and like obviously still have it directed by a man and everything. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so thinking of totally yeah, that film or the new Ghostbusters or loads of different things. Yeah, yeah but, um, but specifically that word, um, sisterhood or sister. Uh, so at the end of L, we kind of... Uh, leave Elle on this kind of slightly uh, given that um, our central character, this is another element of the plot that we haven't touched on yet, but the central character sleeps with her best friend's husband throughout the film as well um, and, and she's left um, with her best friend they reconcile their relationship they're, they're, they, they get back their relationship with the last scene of the film, the two female friends and they're seen sort of walking off into the sunlight in this graveyard, walking away from the parents' graves of, of, of the protagonist you know, she's leaving her past behind, she's got this kind of happy feminist future ahead of her, you know, they're having this kind of jokey relationship and the one woman is like to the other woman in French obviously, which we don't speak very well, but you know, it's, it's like to the other woman oh, you know, you slept with my husband, that was a bit shabby and they're kind of like, oh, ha 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 and yeah so that's the kind of the note that we leave down and I felt that it was a little bit glib it was kind of like I did I did feel that that was the uh, that was a point at which the director's gender kind of came through in this kind of weird idealized version of what a woman's relationship and friendship is like you know and this kind of this this sort of uh kind of happy-go-lucky vibe that we get at the end of L which does strike a disconcerting tonal note but as we have said L is a very tonally mixed film. It completely yeah. oscillates between different it's genres. It's trying to be tonally mixed as well. And I'd it say. is going yeah. to being tonally mixed, to be completely fair. But in contrast, we have something much more harsh and unresolved at the end of Ms. 45, um, where we have um, following uh, the kind of massacre of all the men in the room at a Halloween party um, that uh, Ms. 45 attends in her sexy nun costume. Um, we then have um, this kind of... Um, grotesquely like penetrative um stabbing that actually looks like a uh, you know it, it looks like a kind of sex move done on the protagonist um you know like the knife her. is sort of held by her friend by, by her best friend as as she stabs her it's held as a sort of phallic object as a phallic object but held by a female best friend as a phallic object and stabbed into the protagonist to stop her kind of killing spree uh, in the Halloween party. And our protagonist turns to her friend and says the only word that she says in the whole film, which is sister. And it's kind of rasped out. So it's like sister, like that. But, you know, it's kind of, um, so that's, yeah. that's, the, that's the note that we finished the film on. And so rather than smooth over something complex about gender and rape and the way that communities deal with rape and um, the way that women talk amongst themselves rather than smooth over something complex and just kind of stick this kind of happy-go-lucky oh, you know, you slept with my husband, didn't you? Haha, c'est la vie kind of vibe <laughs> over the top of it. Um, you're kind of left with something really harsh and unresolved. Yeah. Um, and I would say it's a it's a, a film therefore that lends itself easily to sort of marxist feminist interpretations because it's this one of patriarchal institutional hierarchy that cannot be changed and, and isn't changed and divides, by the violence yeah. and that divides women and yeah divides and, women and, and sets and them the, against each other exactly that leads leaves a sort of uh, a hanging dialectic that has not been re- resolved exactly, yeah 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 and i think l the ending i maybe thought it was it felt a bit more ironic maybe than you're saying that it's sort of like this, you know, they're in the middle of a graveyard and it's after, and it's her finally setting her, her, her father, who's in a, who, you know, has had this sort Psychopath. of grip over, 
has had and has had this grip over her life and i think the film sort of implies that lots of the actions of the film are because of her parents her mother is also depicted in the film we won't go into that because that was just another long and there's a lot to this yeah, yeah it's, it's complicated <laughs> i would really yeah. recommend it for that reason yeah, yeah. definitely yeah it's, it's very interesting i think we should definitely say both of the lead women in these films are give make performances and acting performances that are particularly really really good actually yeah they're fantastic they um, give fantastic performances and Ruben you were saying earlier that um uh what's the, what's the actress in Elle called Isabel you know, Hooper yeah uh was kind of up for the Oscar um which she um was beat to by um Emma Stone in La La Land yeah, in the year ridiculous. of the film's release, <laughs> uh, which just seems harsh. Uh, but because this film um, was had very mixed reviews and was received as being rather problematic on its release um, uh, in 2016, um, yeah. So, so, but, but if if that's an indication of the kind yeah. of the quality of the acting in this film, I think I think that it's a real a, a real reason to go and check it out. It's yeah. really interesting. Probably the film, reason that film didn't win an Oscar is because it's French, to be honest. Yeah, well, that, that would be yeah. another one. <laughs> yeah. Verhoeven is Danish, I think, but the film is French. Yeah, yeah, the film is in yeah. French as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, they're, they're both they're both very good and interesting films. I'm interested, and they're both really, really different. So we're just we're kind of we're grouping yeah. them together, grouping them together uh, thematically rather than in style. So so if you want two films that deal with something kind of in plot terms that seems to be very very similar in very 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 different ways um the, 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 these are your picks i think they're really interesting two really interesting takes that kind of come with their own problems due to the kind of male director perspective but which i think confront those problems head on rather yeah, than sort of concealing definitely. them or muffling them yeah and yeah def- definitely yeah i think yeah definitely yeah i have nothing more to say well, i think yeah lovely <laughs> all right well i hope you've enjoyed listening yeah and see you next in a couple of i ain't got no home i'm just a roaming around just a wandering worker i go from town to town and the police make it hard wherever i may go and i ain't got no home in this world anymore